Well, we're into a series, and um, it's called the Walking uh, with God series, and it's a, as as we've been saying, it's a walk of transformation, and uh, we've been seeing that uh, we've been called to walk in love, and uh, we're to be clothed with love. You know, you can't go walking until you get dressed, so you know you need to be dressed with love as well. It's a walk of love, and it's a being clothed with love as well. We've been seeing that over the last couple of weeks. You can get a hold of the podcast for the last two weeks. I would encourage you to get a hold of that. And, um, and very much uh, something that came through in our hearts this morning in prayer was that we are to recognise that, you know, uh, uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, those that make peace. Not everybody's good at making peace. How many of you know? Some people are good at rubbing people the wrong way. Some people do that and they don't even, they dismiss it and forgive themselves quickly, but they'll effectively, that's, you know, their activity is rubbing people the wrong way. We're not to be that way. If we're going to be the sons and daughters of God, we have to be peacemakers. And peacemakers are people who know how to walk in love, how to forgive, don't take on insults, don't take on offences. We've got to become those people. We're going to walk with the Lord. So I just introduced my message today by saying those things and, and, uh, and again get back to how God's love is also transformational. When we walk by faith and connect to God's power, that walk of faith is transformational. Amen? When we connect with God's power, uh, it's transformational. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of others as well. Amen? We had a couple visiting with us here at church for the last two weeks, I noticed that they're not here uh, uh, today and I did, they did mention that they were going to be leaving, but I thought they enjoyed themselves so much that they might cancel their flight, actually. <laughs> but um, I, we knew them and they were from uh, our days in Perth, ministering down there out of Victory Life. And, um, and of course, um, in 2008, I had the privilege of uh, conducting their marriage ceremony. And uh, Alan and Lynn, some of you might have met them uh, last week, but uh, Alan and Lim, and we go, uh, particularly Lynn goes all the way back to the days of Raymer, uh, Vic Park, and um, Phil Baker in those days. And uh, anyone, um, anyone that knows those days are exciting days as well as to come up and be, you know, uh, discipled in the Lord under that teaching. It was so very, very uh, exciting days. But uh, the first week that they came to church, uh, Alan, uh, the husband, he came up. And, uh, and he came forward for prayer. And at the end of the service, he, his, the back of his hand, he says, look, I've got sepsis. And his, the back of his hand was all puffed up like a balloon, like someone had sort of blown it up and it was just all up. And, um, and uh, you know, and, and he, uh, he came forward to prayer. Now, I'll pray for everyone the same way. I'll pray that God's hand would be there, that his hand is extended to heal the sick, etc., etc. But as he came up, the minute I laid hands on his hand, uh, I felt it was like a balloon deflating. Just go, you know, like you do when you see a, a balloon just go down. Now, I felt that, but I couldn't see it. So his hand looked exactly the same. But I said to him, because I felt it, I said, you're healed. And this is some, something that we, we have to learn to minister with, being sensitive to what God's showing you and letting you see so you can cooperate with your mouth and your heart. So he showed me it, and, and that's why we walk with God, because we learn to get more sensitive to the way he's doing things, not what we can see in the natural, 
So there's this, in the natural, it's still there. And I said, you're healed. I said, you come back next week and that's gone. And he goes, yes, yes, Pastor Pete, you know. So, you know, he just took that on board. And of course, sure enough, last week they came along and he brings his hand up the minute he walks in the door and he says, look, it's gone. There was just a little puffy bit just above his numb, uh, his thumb that was still a little bit puffy, but it was going. And you'll find places in scriptures where when Jesus prayed for the, uh, for the sick, it says they were healed as they went. You know, it was progressive. It took a little time for that to, to work its way out. But I say that to say this, is that as we walk with God more and more and actually press in to be sensitive to what he's saying and doing, it becomes powerful. It's transformational. And not only transform your life, it'll transform the lives of others around you. Amen? So, we're called, another scripture I thought just dropping, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Just because it was still there and yet I felt that it went down, don't be moved by what you see. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. But we'll still see and know things when we walk with God and we can expect to know things by the Spirit. There's a difference there. You know, there's a, a natural seeing things and then there's a spiritual thing, seeing things, sensing things and knowing that he's at work. Amen. Now, a classic Old Testament, uh, a classic Old Testament example of a believer being transformed by walking with God is Enoch, isn't he? I mean, he was really transformed, wasn't he? Enoch. Genesis 5 says that Enoch walked with God and was not. I like the way it says it, you know. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. What an amazing experience that must have been. He was so transformed that God translated him. Boom. I like that guy. I want him up here. I guess that's how it went. You know, Enoch. It says that he had a testimony that he pleased God. You ever stop to look and ask yourself whether you please God? Or are you just going through the motions? We've got to make sure that we're not just going through the motions. We have to really ask, is what I do pleasing to God? And really ask yourself that question. And be brutally honest with yourself. Amen? So if there's anyone you need to be honest with, it's the man in the mirror. Be brutally honest, you know. Am I pleasing? Do the things that I do please God? And let him let you know. All right. Someone says, I better put my seatbelt on this morning. You probably should. How is your testimony going? You know, your testimony is important. It's what others say about you. Are you living it so as to please God? Because we know that we shouldn't just be about pleasing men. We're to be God-pleasers, not men-pleasers. Isn't that right? Hebrews um, 11 and verse 5. There's a good little explanation here by the author of uh, Hebrews. He says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I guess for some that might mean just be careful how much you please him. You know, <laughs> just come along and take you home. You know, but it's so that you don't see death. All right, so just remember that. But here's the question. How could an Old Testament saint get an upgrade to heaven? 
The answer is really simple. It's by faith. Look at the very next verse and we'll just go there. Hebrews eleven six says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who approaches... Now, this is the verse straight over the last verse talking about Enoch. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently, or this verse says, earnestly seek him. You know, our earnest seeking him. You know, looking for those moments when we're, where, where we know that what's required of us is to please him. You know, and you can read in the book of Thessalonians how the Lord has translation in mind for the church. You know, at some point in the future, prior to the second coming of Jesus, the church is scheduled in for a rapture. Someone says, when is the second coming of Jesus? I'll tell you exactly when it is. Seven years after the rapture. That's when it is. They say, when's the rapture? That's the part we don't know. But we know when the second coming is going to be, if you know your end time theology, we know when the second coming is going to be. It is exactly seven years um, before uh, the, the return of the Lord. And the Bible talks about being changed in a twinkling of an eye. I reckon that's what Enoch got. You know. Someone might ask, how do we please God enough for that to happen? Well, it's by faith. Our faith in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Rach, you touched in on it today. Our faith in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he paid the price for our sins and that we're washed clean by that act of his upon the cross over 2,000 years ago. You know, you, and, you, and I always have to share this because I know that as there was always a balance there. You might be one of the ones that lists off all the good works and all the good deeds you've done and, and, and how good you've been, and, but our salvation is not based on our good works or our own sinless perfection. It's not. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? When you get right down to it, aren't you glad? Because working for your salvation is not going to work. And I don't say that to make anyone think that they can just go on and sin and, and it doesn't matter. No, I'm not saying that, so hear me clearly. The Bible says don't use your liberty as an occasion or as a license for the flesh to do what you Oh, I'm forgiven anyway, I'll just do it. No, the Bible says don't do that. Our salvation by grace is not a license to thrill. Get this. But it's a license to kill. And I'll explain. It's a license to put that old man to death. To walk with God as a new man in Christ. Amen? And here's a scripture for all the 007s out there. Colossians 3. And we'll just read this. It says in Colossians 3 and verse 1 to 3. And this is the English Standard Version. It says, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We've been talking a lot about today, even during the worship, you know, just about relating to our Heavenly Father, our risen Lord Jesus, who's now seated at the right hand side of the Father. You know what he's there to do? He's there to ever make intercession for us. Ever. Always. Just making intercession for us. And the, what will excite you in prayer, if you ever give yourself to prayer in a meaningful way, and some of you do, I know, 
what will get your motor running in prayer is when you realise that you can tap into what he's praying. And that becomes powerful. That becomes awesome. That becomes something that uh, is transformative. When we tap into what he is praying from heaven, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us and Jesus makes intercession for us and we, by our spirit, tap into what he's praying, whoo, power. Bang. You know, bang, answered prayer, answered prayer, change, transformation, things shifting and moving. That's where it's at. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here is the license to kill that I'm talking about. Okay, all the 007s. Put to death, verses 5 to 10 of Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is earthly. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked. Before we came to Christ, we walked in these things. In these two, you once walked, but now we walk with God. There's a difference. When you were living in them. But now you must put all of them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. And this is a good one for many. Obscene talk from your mouth. You know. I don't know if you've ever heard that, that saying, potty mouthed. You ever heard the word potty mouthed? I don't know where that comes from, but I think it's, it's talking about the same thing, potty mouth, you know, letting, allowing that obscene speech to come out of your mouth. Don't do it. You can control it. Stop it. You know. There's even Christian swear words that I've heard that have been used to alternate. Instead of saying those words, you can say, you know, other words, you know. Blinking is one. <laughs> who, who knows that one, blinking, you know? Oh, this blinking car won't start, you know. It's a Christian substitute for a swear word. <laughs> and there's others too, you know. So, but I say get to that point where you don't have to e express your exasperation by saying a word. Get to that point where you just kind of internalise and just say, no, just, I'm just going to just be free today in Jesus' name. Look what it says. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. That's where we want to be, putting on the new man, letting the new man shine, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Amen. You know, we are to serve the Lord. We are to walk with him, talk with him, and let him continue to transform us into Christ's likeness. And it's the path of maturity that God the Father calls his sons and daughters too. A pathway of maturity. Question, are you on the pathway? Have you given yourself to that pathway? It's an exciting pathway. It is an adventure to be on that pathway because he's ever, you know, working and, and ministering in our lives and bringing that transformation and touching our lives and, uh, and bringing that change. So important to be on that pathway. You see, our walk with God pleases him. 
and it's intended to bring continual transformation toward Christ-likeness, being more and more like him, that inward change that affects us on the outside. What was that you said this morning in prayer this morning? It's not about, it's not that when you said it's not something about relationship. What was that? It was different. That's right. Yeah, she's talking about things that she, ref- Jess was talking about things that she refuses. She says, she says she's now learned to answer and say when someone's asking her about why she doesn't do something, she goes, it's not against my religion, it's against my relationship. And I like that. I thought maybe someone else would like to actually write, write that down. Because there's a good answer sometimes when people see you walking with God and refraining from this and not doing that and saying, no, I don't do this and I don't live that way, that, you know, you say it's not about my religion about my relationship I want to please God I want to do the things that are pleasing in his sight in the last two weeks we've been seeing that we're called to the love walk our discipline in walking in love and unity speaks volumes to others that's our testimony isn't it you know when we're bad mouthing someone and saying bad things either behind their backs or to them that's our testimony shot we'll have to start all over again when it comes to that. Our determination to walk in forgiveness when we're insulted or offended will have a direct impact on the blessings that we inherit. Mm, does. It's, because, you know, the Bible says, and I'll read it to you. I won't say what the Bible says. I'll read it to you. It says, not returning evil for evil. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviving or insult for insult, but on the contrary, blessing you know, Jesus said, bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's hard. I'm not saying this is easy peasy. Just, just do it. I'm not saying that. I know it's hard. I have to work it out in my own life. Just like you do. You know? And it's hard sometimes. But notice what it says. Here's, here's the, the carrot, if you like. That you might inherit a blessing. And when we do, there's a blessing that comes. When we grit our teeth and, and say... I'm going to pursue love. It's because we know that the Lord's got a blessing in mind, not just for us. It can be transformational to us, but also transformational to others. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, we have quite a few visitors here this morning. It says at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, pursue love. Why? And desire spiritual gifts. We get that order right, you watch the gifts flow. The gifts start to function. We start being that transformational Uh, transformational uh, uh, influence in someone else's life and that's worth pursuing when we pursue love first we get that in order one classic new testament example of believers walking with god literally is the two guys on the road to emmaus and uh and what we should notice is the effect of walking with the risen lord jesus is the effect that impacts us inwardly you know, there's an impact from walking with the Lord, the risen Lord Jesus. And we can and are called to that very walk. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Let's make sure we've got that one up there. That says in verse 13, that same day. What same day was that? It was Resurrection Sunday. That same day, two of them who were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
and, they, as, and as they talked and deliberated, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. You know, this visitation actually occurs on Resurrection Sunday. The same day is the day that Jesus rises from the dead. And here we have the resurrected Lord Jesus walking with them in his resurrected body and they couldn't tell. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? They couldn't tell. There was no chorus of angels floating around singing as he wandered up. No glimmering robe. No halo. Jesus is not hovering three feet above the ground as he walks up and comes to them. He comes walking up with his resurrected body. You know, he's nothing like Casper the ghost. You know, they couldn't even recognize that there was something special about him. He comes with his resurrected body. And I say all that to say this, that's something to get excited about. Because guess what? We get one too. And I want one. When you read about the resurrected Lord Jesus, it zip zap through walls, you know, translates as he wills, leaves here and goes there with a thought. Amazing. I don't quite know how it works, so don't quote me on that, all right? But I, I know that that resurrected body is something to look forward to. And so Jesus walks up and joins them. And in our day and age, uh, day and age this is called group chat. Jesus drops in on the thread, you know. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. You know, when your friend drops in on a thread and has to catch up with every, what everyone's been saying and doing and, and all that. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? They were speaking sadly about what had happened, not joyfully. Verse 18. This is really what gets me thinking what Jesus is doing in that group chat is that they were coming from the wrong emotion and he wanted to correct it and he could and he did. Then one of the, one of the, uh, whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the, the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? In other words, he, he was just reiterating that this is big. What's happened to this Jesus? It's just been so amazing and everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it and how come you don't know about it? It's just worth noting that as you and I work, walk with the Lord, he knows how we are feeling. And he questions us sometimes as why we're feeling that way. Be ready for his questions around why you were feeling that way. When you were down, expect the visitation for him to lift you up. In all of our interactions with him, he's always wanting to encourage faith and transformation. You might be able to answer the question as to why you're feeling low and down. Okay, well then correct yourself, that's fine. But understand that the Lord wants you up and in faith. He wants to walk with you and encourage you. Luke chapter 24, verse 19. says, and he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. So they're now explaining where their thinking is at. And how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, 
and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that, he, uh, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those things who were, uh, of, of those who were, went with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. You know, it's just interesting to see how that they knew Jesus and were amazed at all the events of that weekend and what we know as Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. But these two men still didn't know what Jesus had come for. They were still stuck in the politics of the day, thinking that the Messiah would restore Israel uh, from its Roman captivity. They were stuck there, they were thinking politics. Watch out, at the moment there's a lot of politics that you can get stuck into. You know, we need to lift our eyes to heaven and see, you know, above all of those things and see that God's will be done. You know, his resurrection had them puzzled. Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, it says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. He's getting down to the point. He's getting now to generate faith again. Of foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. If you're looking for a Bible study to pursue and go after at the moment, there's a good one right there. All the scriptures from Moses through the prophets that spoke of the coming Messiah. He expounded all those to them. All the scriptures that spoke of himself and what he would fulfill and do. And he just rattled them all off. You know, when we choose to walk with God, there's always a conversation with him around the word of God. That's why we do spend so much time around the word of God, speaking the word of God, because when God speaks to us, it so often aligns to the word of God and, 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 and confirms what the word of God is saying. And that shouldn't come as a surprise because Jesus is the word from the beginning. Isn't that right? The word made flesh. Of course, this conversation with these two guys is to bring them to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. That's what this conversation is about. And, you know, these two guys on the road to Emmaus are in no way strangers, you know, uh, 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 to the the Jesus of the day, but they just didn't quite understand the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus. And of course, you know, their message changed. How does faith come? By hearing. And how? By the word of God. Amen. Luke chapter 24 and verse 28. Then they drew near to the village and when they were going, he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. You know, they wanted more. And we should always want more from the Lord. We should always be that that heart that's continually connecting with his heart to want more, to desire more, to, to seek more from him. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. You know, uh, it's entirely up to us to invite the Lord into our whole lives not just our Sunday life, you know, our Christian friend life. It's up to us to invite the Lord into our whole life. I'm talking our family life, 
our social life, our Facebook life, you know. To have him abide with us 24-7, so important. Don't let your walk with the Lord be a part-time walk. Don't allow yourself to be a weekend warrior for Jesus. Amen? A weekend warrior. You put your, your armour on on about Saturday night, just before church on Sunday. I've got my armour on. Clock on, clock off. At church on Sunday, but, you know, living like the world on Monday. Don't be like that. That's not pleasing to him. God's not calling us to that. And you don't have to be rush out and buy a Jesus sticker for your car. Okay, That's not... It's not I, I, I don't know. Maybe those are all sold out now. I don't ever see them anymore. You know, Jesus stickers. But, um, you know, we have to abide in him. That's what we're called to. And it's powerful to our prayer life when we walk with God and abide in him. John chapter 15, 7, you know it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Just a couple more scriptures this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 24, let's just continue. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. You know, when we walk with God and we arrive at that place of faith, believing, we already have all that we need to have. I'll say that again. You know, when we walk with God and we arrive at that place of faith, believing, tapping into a little bit what you were saying this morning, Rach, we already have all that we need to have. If we have faith, we have it. It's ours. And of course, no sooner did they recognize their companion as a Lord and believed, he then vanished. Boom. You know. Task complete. Tick. Next job. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He ever, ever lives to make intercession for us. And you know, how's that departure? Zip zap. Gone. You know, in a twinkling of an eye. You know, that resurrected body is capable of sitting and eating and then transporting to another location. And it's one of the things that we have to look forward to is that we get one too. Like Enoch, not seeing death, but come into our heavenly home. Luke chapter 24, and we'll just finish here. It says, verse 32, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Who wouldn't want to be in a Bible study with Jesus? And they had one. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying... The Lord Jesus, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they, told, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, we can always expect our hearts to be touched and ministered to as we walk with God and he talks with us. As he opens the word to us, he's, he's very interested in us walking in revelation that he provides very interested in that. It's a key part of our walk with, the, uh, with, with, with God and the, and the walk that he's called us to, to have God instruct us 
in his word, to bring revelation, knowledge, insights, wisdom, to guard us, to guide us in his path, his plans and his purposes. You know, we're all called to a walk of revelation. Amen. Something to get excited about, something to just adjust your focus, you know, and press in for. Because God wants that revelation knowledge flowing freely. Not just in spiritual things, but in natural things as well, you know. And of course, it will always cause our hearts to burn brighter for him when we are. You know, it'll put a smile on your dial. Pep in your step. Glide in your stride. You know, when you're walking in that revelation, a fresh word from heaven changes everything. It's transformational. And I want to leave you with those thoughts this morning, you know, because we need to be a dedicated, devoted church. We need to be a dedicated and devoted body of Christ. He's coming back for a church that's without spot and wrinkle. You know, his bride is without spot and wrinkle. And that's something that he's done, not what we've done. But I tell you what, we need to look interested. We need to, <laughs> we need to at least look interested and desiring more of what he has for us in this day and age until he comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And, uh, and I, I pray this morning that, uh, you know, if you're visiting with us this morning, something's been stirred in you that needed to be stirred. You know, perhaps something's already been transformed. I'm not sure, but we believe that that word that goes out and touches hearts and lives every week is something that he has designed for your heart and for the very thing that he has in store for you. Amen? Amen.